You want football? You want sports? You want concerts? You want to travel overseas? You want to go to the movies? You want to go to school? We can't do none of that because y'all just can't agree on wearing a mask. the uh your boy keep the same energy podcast i forgot the avenue we are the creative avengers the content revengers and some sort of pretenders i don't know what south breeze says but anyway we're back as always um every tuesday with a new episode for your ass so today south breeze is out uh Shout out to El Chapa. She's out as well, probably doing the prenup stuff. But uh, we're going to hold it down. We have the lovely Harriet Tubman, a.k.a. Rev Run, on deck uh, with the always wonderful Marcus Sniffles. Um, just wanted to kind of kick some topics uh, for you guys today. Um, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Yeah. Um, Rev Run, Kiana, today I'm Harriet Tubman because really, could y'all niggas just let her rest? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Marcus underscore Sniffles on Twitter. I, that's that's me. I'm here. All right. So if you guys know us, you know that we're affiliated with uh, DBNR Nation, Dirty Bird Nation Report. I hope I said that right. I apologize. Uh, shout out to them over there uh, for all your Atlanta Falcons content. Uh, we're going to start out today. Um, there's been a little bit of a beef going on between uh, the Black Mecca, a.k.a. Wakanda, and the country racist state of Georgia. So I will go ahead and pass it on to Marcus underscore Sniffles. Tell us what that's all about. So apparently the uh, the governor, Brian Kemp, is uh, suing the mayor of Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms, over uh, the city's mandate to wear a mask. Because if you don't know, we're still in the midst of a global pandemic. There is no cure for it uh the only way to protect yourself and others as of right now is to stay at home stay away from people and or wear a mask so as someone who does not live in georgia i feel like what the mayor is doing is productive by mandating that people wear masks in atlanta and what the governor of Georgia, the entire state, what he is doing and, and with his suing of the mayor is he's protecting the money. And that's kind of what this whole thing has been about. It's about the economy. It's about the dollars. It's about businesses. It's about keeping America rolling, keeping them on track. And I get it, but it's like, uh, what's the point of having businesses open if no one is there to see it, if no one is there to go to them, if no one is there to go buy your products, if everybody's in the hospital. So it's just like, it just seems super petty and they're, they're showing what they value right now. That's all it is. Yeah. It's, uh, I, so people keep saying, Oh, well you shouldn't have voted for Brian Kemp, but I'm like, this is, we're seeing what happens when you steal an election. Um, and then like you have no proper, um, background in running things and you're not listening to the best advice and the advice you are listening to is advice that you've personally sought out because you know it agrees with your idea of what's going on is um, like he said something to the effect of people don't need mandates to do the right things 
And I'm like, well, if we didn't need mandates, then we wouldn't have laws. Like, there would be no reason to tell people, like, don't drink and drive, or like, you need to put on a seatbelt, don't text and drive. Like, of course, people need rules to do the right thing because if you don't, you end up like I was in Kroger, me fully masked up with these two very large gentlemen looming over me without mask, and they were talking and it was spittle everywhere. And I'm like, <laughs> Had these people been made to wear masks, then you know we we disrupt some of the flow of these biological agents. So I don't. And then going after Keisha Lance Bottoms in Atlanta when the same mandates are in Savannah and in other places. I'm in Augusta, um, and a lot of there's still some mandates around. You need to wear masks. Um, so I don't know why. Well, I do know why Keisha Lance Bottoms is is the target of his frustration. But Brian Kemp in short, is uh, not a very smart man, and this does not make sense. And we will continue, and by we, I mean black and brown people, will continue to suffer for his his um, incapable incapability. It's pretty embarrassing at this point, honestly. It's like, what, what, like, what are we doing? I don't understand. Like, at this point, I think, I think <clears throat> the reason why people are just kind of going about their business as if the coronavirus doesn't exist anymore is because we can't see it. Mm-hmm. It's something that you can't see. You can't really, you can't really feel it unless I, I guess you have it, but there's, you can't physically look at someone and I guess tell that they have it. And at this point, I almost wish that there were just like zombies outside and they're like, Hey, if you go outside your house and you're not wearing your mask, these zombies will not bother you. If you stay six feet away from strangers, these zombies will not bother you. But if you leave your house without your mask on, the probability of you getting bit by a zombie is is increased. If you could physically like see something, and it's we're dumb. This country's dumb. The state's dumb. Everybody's dumb. We're all just idiots. We're all idiots. We don't deserve anything. I think too, America. As much as we like to say that we're a community, America is for sure a nation of individuals, and like. America does not care about the greater good of our fellow person. So like you're saying, you, you tell people who are general, general, generally selfish, hey, if you put this mask on, not only do you protect yourself, but you protect others. And people just automatically tune it out. And it's like, I don't, it's selfishness at the end of the day because a mask literally changes nothing about your day-to-day life. You're in the store for an hour, two hours tops, and you get to go home. Like, just put the mask on. It doesn't change the way that you breathe. It's hot outside, so it is a little warm inside the mask. But just put it, it, there's nothing stopping you from wearing a cloth mask for an hour or two max. There's nothing stopping you from not going into restaurants and having to sit down and enjoy the same meal that you can eat in your home. Like, this, at some point, America's going to have to look at other countries and see, like, New Zealand got to send their kids back to school. They're playing baseball in Taiwan. Like this place is getting back to normal. And the common denominator is A, they listen to science, B, they have mostly capable leaders, and C, they believe in each other as a community. And so they act in the greater good of everyone else. Well, they're also not defunding science. They're not, you know, going around telling the CDC, hey, stop reporting numbers. Stop, stop going to the CDC and reporting numbers and if you don't test, if you don't test as many people, then we won't have as many negative tests. And it's just like, whoa, my God, this is 2020 is like the worst year probably in recent history. Like 
there's not really much that can hate that can save us, honestly. Like if we can't, we can't even, we can't do the simple stuff. We can't do this. It's basic, simple, easy stuff. Everybody across the world is doing it. It's so simple. Now they, now they're not letting us go over there. Now we can't go over. We can't leave. We can't. You want football? You want sports? You want concerts? You want to travel overseas? You want to go to the movies? You want to go to school? We can't do none of that because y'all just can't agree on wearing a mask. It's it's silly. It's it's a, it's annoying at this point. Like, come on, guys. Shout out to Win Dixie, uh, Win Dixie, and their ten remaining stores uh, have now stated that they will let uh, their patrons patronize without a mask. So. They won't be joining the rest of the uh, companies that are thriving in business. And that's probably why they're struggling in business. So uh, shout out to you, Winn-Dixie. I ain't seen a Winn-Dixie since 98. Damn. Damn. It's been a few years for me. They had some good gas perks, but, you know, it's, it's just stupid. Like, make the people wear a mask. Like you said, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, it's hot outside. It does like with the beard. It, 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 it it's all on my face. I can't properly protect it, but you know it is what it is. I mean, just wear a mask, uh, social distance, wash your hands, wash your ass, do simple stuff that we can't seem to do. We got we got too many freedoms. We got too many freedoms. That's all it is. We got too many freedoms. And legit, like you don't really need to be more than six feet. Like, let's social distancing. I hope is something that continues because I cannot count how many times people have stood directly behind me in places, and there's no reason for you to be that close to me. I'm crushing it's social really distancing. Nice. I'm crushing it. I love social distancing. Like I wake up every morning hoping that no one stands within six feet of me. That's my goal for the every day. I agree because people will. They don't care about bubbles either, and they will be all in your bubble. Especially at grocery stores or in malls, like g- give me some space. So um, there was an old proverb: uh, "Back, back, back, back. Give me fifty feet." So Amen. definitely, Amen. Do that. So uh, moving on to the next subject for this evening. Um, once again, we'll kick it to Marcus. Uh, what are we discussing today about the WNBA? Okay, so this is kind of in in part with what's going on with the. Uh, coronavirus as, as far as like the uh the governor of georgia not really caring about people's well-beings and more so concerned about the dollar and the economics so uh there's a player elena del dawn she plays for the mystic and she she has like she has lyme disease right and so apparently she she says that she has to take 64 pills a day which is crazy to me. Like I, I went through, I think like a summer where I was like, I was trying to get into fitness, like really, really big. And, you know, I had to take like these pill packets. So it was like five pills every morning. And that was a struggle to do that. And she has to take 64 pills a day. And so she's not like, she's obviously healthy because she's a professional athlete, but, but she is, she should be in one of those like categories of people that are like more at risk. So, like, her doctors and all this did all the tests, got all the paperwork, and sent it to the WNBA and said, hey, she should be exempt from 
doing this, from playing, from being at risk in the bubble, she should not have to play and she should still get paid because she's medically exempt. The WNBA, on the other hand, looked at all the science, looked at all the paperwork and said, no, you're going to have to play. And we're not, you can either uh, play and risk your life or you can sit out the season and not get paid. And it's, this is kind of where that disparity in, in, in pay comes into place because she she's saying that she doesn't have the money to just be like, all right, well, I'm just not going to play. And she doesn't really have the money, I guess, to fight the WNBA for this. So it just, it's, I think it's a bad look for the WNBA. But the, uh, actually, and it, this happened, uh, I guess, a day or two ago where the team, you know, they're, they're going to leave her on the roster, but they're going to pay her even if she doesn't play. So the team is doing the right thing. Meanwhile, the organization is kind of just like, well, we need this money. You're one of our big name players and we don't feel like your Lyme disease is that big of a deal. So why don't you get out there and shut up and dribble? It's uh yeah, I, I read the the story around it. She pinned her own letter in the Players Tribune. Um before I read the story though, I read people's like reactions to it and somebody was saying something to the effect of like Oh, Lyme disease, you can clear it up with antibiotics. If she's suffering from anything uh, Lyme disease related, she wouldn't be able to play basketball. And I'm like, okay, well, one, no, that's not a true statement. You just said that on Twitter because Twitter allows people to say all manner of foolishness. Um, But two, had you actually read what she said, she very clearly stated, like you said, she takes 64 pills a day. I think she said it's 20 before breakfast, 20 or so after breakfast and then the rest are spread out, you know, right around dinner and then bedtime. Um, And that she takes all this medicine because she is immunocompromised. Every day she walks out of the house, she knows that it could be the time where a very simple cold or a flu shot can make her very sick. Um, And so at some point she knows that any, this illness will, can come for her. So she has to take the uh, most precautions available to her. So it's unfortunate that the WNBA and their strive to um, promote the game is kind of marred by the treatment of one of their players, um, especially after her doctor, her team doctor and her personal physician explained the reasons why she shouldn't play. And she's right. She doesn't have W she doesn't have NBA player money. The highest played NBA player makes right around doctor salary. Um, so like, right around a little more or less than $150,000 a year. She can't sit out. So now she's got to go risk her life to feed her family when the WNBA has the power to make sure that she is okay. Well, they have the power, they have the power to do the right thing. Right. And, and, even, and, they won't. and a, a lot of uh, WNBA players, it's kind of like how soccer is, where like overseas, like mm-hmm. big name soccer players, they make their name, they make their money, and they, they spend their prime out there overseas you know, crushing it. And then once they get a little bit older, they're not in the prime, they come to America and like just cash in and just kind of go through the motions and whatever, whatever. It's not that because the competition of uh, soccer isn't as high as it is overseas. For women's basketball, it's kind of the opposite. Like if you're a high level, uh, maybe, yeah, if you're a high level uh, female basketball player, you're more likely to make more money overseas than you are in the WNBA just because basketball is a global sport 
they have multiple countries you can play in, multiple leagues. They don't. I don't really know how their cap situation is over there, but it seems like they can pay their players a lot more than they can in the WNBA. So even if um, uh, Don wanted to go overseas and play instead, she can't even do that because America don't know how to kick that wear a mask. Or sh- so she's kind of shit out of luck at this point. Well, not at this point, but at that time, she would have been out of luck. Like she can't even go overseas and make some money too because we can't decide on how to wear a whether to wear a mask or not, and it and it, it goes into um, the NFL season. Like, the there are big-name players out here. It's like Richard Sherman, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson. Who else was saying something? I think Travis Kelp. Was it Travis? It was what, somebody. And they're all, they're all on Twitter talking about, hey, the NFL is not doing – they don't have any plans in place to protect the players. Like, training camp. They're supposed to report to camp next week. And as far as we know, as far as they know, the NFL has no plan in place. They have no measures put in place to keep the players safe, to keep the, you know, the the staff safe, people that work in the facilities. They have nothing. They've done nothing. And the players are kind of sitting here like, yo, we want to play, but if you guys aren't going to protect us, like there's a lot of players with kids and pregnant pregnant wives and uh, older parents that they got to take care of, young kids, and the NFL, the NFL, the the, multi-billion dollar company can't figure this out. Like, Roger Goodell is every, I feel like every step of the way, Roger Goodell continues to embarrass himself. And it's it's just like, you've had months to deal with this. You, you, You got doctors telling you what to do when you're ignoring them. And now your players are out here saying like, hey, what are you doing? And not only do they have that advice, uh, the NFL, I mean, have that advice from doctors and things, they have a league that is doing what they can do. Now, are there flaws within the WNBA, NBA bubble? Of course. We saw them live on Twitter. People are talking about their living facilities. And there were players who invited people into the bubble and so on and so forth. But... At least there was a plan in place and all of the things, some of the things that happened at least were, you know, man-made errors. The NFL, I truly believe, thought if we don't think about it, then it we don't have to worry about it. And <laughs> these are like these are 64 player, this these are just players. Personnel-wise, you're carrying around almost a hundred, if not a hundred people. These are 32 circuses in cities across the, in the nation. There's no way that you thought that these entire bands of people were going to be able to move across the country and play football freely when we, like you said, A, cannot decide where whether or not we will simply wear masks. <laughs> There's no way. And Roger Goodell had guidance and just refuses to use it. I hope that the players that can take a stand and know that, you know, this won't hurt me as much can speak up for those players who don't have that option, who cannot just go off on a Twitter rant Um, because either that or don't play football. And we know how America gets when you take away football. So, Yeah. And and the players, they're not asking for perfection. They're not asking for, uh, for everything to be perfect and everything to go a hundred percent correctly. They're asking for like the bare minimum. Like you don't have people at the gate checking temperatures you don't have like uh, the little plastic uh, shields in front of like you know the lady at the lunch line. You don't have uh, you know a couple of tests. 
You don't have anything. Like they've literally done not like Drew Brees. If Drew Brees is out here saying something, you know things are are pretty bad. And I, I've been saying this for a minute. I don't think there's going to be any um, football this year. And I thought there wasn't going to be football basically because of like how many players need to be involved in one play, uh, the amount of physicality that is involved, and how how close people are. I didn't think the football season would be canceled because Roger Goodell was just incompetent. Like, it doesn't even seem like anything is going to happen because they've done nothing. Absolutely yeah. nothing. And it's, it's crazy that the people that make, you know, that make these leagues go around are not given the proper consideration for their lives. Because, I mean, now we're finally, I won't say finally, because a lot of us have been aware of it, but I think it's more prevalent or we can see it more now that, Literally, these leagues just look at players as commodities that can be swapped in and out and don't deserve any care for their lives. It's all about the money. Like, they don't care about WNBA players, the uh, governors and presidents and, and whoever. They don't care about their citizens. Uh, the NFL doesn't care about their players. And, and, I, and they probably never did, but at least fake it. You can fake it. Just attempt you know, maybe try to, th- like, because there's even places like around here where, you know, they're starting to open up schools and open it up other restaurants. They're saying like, hey, we're open, but you got to wear a mask to come in or we're going to check your temperature. Like they're doing something like at least try. Like you're not going to do anything. It's it's oh gosh, it's frustrating, especially when you see how like other countries are doing compared to us. Yeah, we are completely dropping the ball on all. We're failing the children. We are failing the athletes. We're, we're failing Fs across the board. Yeah, we don't deserve nice things. But speaking of someone who doesn't deserve nice things, uh, Paul Pierce. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure. Like, uh, I think it was because he said, he said something on TV. I can't remember what it was. He, he said... Um, are you saying when he said LeBron James not top five or something like that? No, that was that was another dumb thing he said. He said something else that was <laughs> dumb more recently. There's a list. Yeah, there's a there's a running list of things that he said. This idiot. He said Luka Don- Doncic was the most talented player in the NBA right now. Currently, right now, in his second season, now, he hasn't even played two full seasons, but he's already proclaimed Luka the most talented player in the NBA. And I'm a fan of Luka. I like Luka's game. I was about to say, no disrespect to Luka. He's really no, good, but I don't think he's the most talented no, player. No disrespect to the man. He's a great player. He's going to be a great player, but you cannot yeah, say that, like, now. he's <laughs> the most talented player in the NBA right now. That Maybe is ridiculous. even like, uh, like, like new? No, or he said like presently. new or under 25? No, he said presently. He is currently the most talented player in the NBA. Wow. That's what Paul said. Did like John Morant stop playing? Apparently, like I guess Zion. Like I mean, it, and it's not that, you know, and, and it's not even just of the young players. It's all the NBA players. He said it like just currently, there's no one more talented than Luka Doncic. And when he said that, I, I take it he's he's trolling. That's what he's doing. He's yeah, but he's so bad at it. <laughs> he's super bad at it, and I feel like he's just saying the stuff to keep his name relevant because i believe not this year but i think next year he's coming up for the hall of fame so he's trying to keep his name in the media keep his name out there keep his visibility high so when it's time to come voting uh media members like oh well yeah 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 paul pierce paul pierce he's always you know 
on TV talking. It's just like, it's embarrassing. And because of him saying that, I'm, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I don't. And to be fair to Paul, to be fair to Paul Pierce, when it comes to like Hall of Fame and like classic albums, I'm pretty like strict on that stuff. Like I just, I'm just not a guy who's just like, oh yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. Oh yeah, that's a classic album, because then it takes away the importance of that. Everybody, okay, so wait, wait just one second because I want to clarify. You're not saying that he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, which I can probably make a case for. You're saying he doesn't need to be in the Hall of Fame, period. Like you're on that Deion Sanders type of talk. Yeah, I wouldn't put him in at all. Okay. I wouldn't put him in at all. And I and, and the thing is, he's a great player. He's had some great moments. But it, it's almost like when, when at Paul Pierce at his best – has never been spoken in the ways that we speak of other all-time greats. And that's what I feel like the Hall of Fame is. Like, you have, like, Michael Jordan, Shaq, Kareem, LeBron, Kobe, players like that who are, like, upper echelon, like, untouchable-type players. And I feel like the Hall of Fame, that level should be even – you should be an elevated player. You shouldn't just be like, well, he played in the NBA for 15 years – he hung around for a while. He made a few all-stars. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, there, I feel like there's never been a moment where someone looked at Paul Pierce and was like, you know what? If we got Paul Pierce, we got a chance to win a championship. I don't feel like anybody has ever said that. And it sounds crazy because he has a finals MVP. But I, I if you if you had to, at their, at their very best, if you could only have one of these two players at their very best, would you have Paul Pierce or would you want Carmelo Anthony? And Carmelo doesn't have a championship. Carmelo's only been out of the uh, second round like one time. Carmelo Anthony's playoff resume is not great. But if you had to pick one at their best, you're starting a team. You can only have one of those guys. Who do you want? I mean, do they, do they play their same career? Career? No, I'm like, saying okay. Let me let me do it. Let me make it. Let me make it simpler. More more, I guess condensed. Whatever. You get one year. We're doing. There's like a, a fantasy mock draft of the NBA season. It's your pick. The two best players on the board are Carmelo Anthony, Paul Pierce. Those are your first picks. You can only pick one of them though. Who do you want? I mean, <laughs> I probably pick Melo because I know I'm gonna get buckets. It's yeah, but okay, well, let, let me ask you this really quick because you know we know here, or at least everybody listening knows you're you're a Boston fan, so we know Melo. You're not getting any defense. I feel like Paul Pierce. You're gonna get some defensive effort, right? Yeah, you will get some, but it. I mean, you get some defensive effort from James Harden. <laughs> That doesn't make it good. But I'm just saying, is, is it better than mellow and then also rebounding that person as a leader? Like, it's a lot of intangibles and stuff like that. That yeah. I'm, you know, I need to know does Paul Pierce have that before I can make an educated guess? Because on the scoring, yeah, you're right. With mellow, you're going to get buckets, but you can get buckets with Pierce too. So, 
And I, I think that's a lot of people's Hall of Fame case for Paul Pierce. I was reading the Bleacher Report um, article from like two years ago, I think. And <laughs> the way they wrote it was kind of, it wasn't bad writing. It was bad to read in terms of, it was like, he's not the most athletic and like, he doesn't, he's not the best scorer and he's not that great of a closer, but like Paul Pierce is in the Hall of Fame because there's a guy before him that's in the Hall of Fame and that guy doesn't have a ring. So why can't Paul Pierce be in the Hall of Fame? And that's their that's their argument for Paul Pierce as a Hall of Famer, and I'm like, dang, y'all really uh, short sold that man. I also though, and being a fan of Paul Pierce and in being a fan of the Boston Celtics, I do think that Paul Pierce gets a lot of elevation because of that 2008 run, and people tend to forget that the Celtics were not good the year before. They had to go and get two other guys and Rondo. Um, to to make that run. And then 2008, they win a championship, 9, 10, 11, 12. Um, they go on this ebb and flow of, of being really good, but maybe not really crossing the hump. So, I mean, like Adolphus said, can you make a case for Paul Pierce not being a first ballot Hall of Famer? Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure anybody could, a, a toddler could make that case. But I don't know that Paul Pierce doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame at all. I, well, I, I think he, he he does get in. He'll get in for sure, hundred percent. He's gonna get in. I just I, he would not get my vote. Is what I'm saying. I would not vote him in. And can we can we talk about that uh, 2007 2008 Boston Celtics team? Like they talk about that ring, like they beat like they were just like some almighty like great, and they steamrolled the league in the playoffs. Like I'm pretty sure almost every series went seven. It took them a lot to win that championship. Not even just that. They also talk about it like they were a dynasty as well. They only won one title. That team underperformed, if we're going to be honest. For for as much as they talk, that team pretty much underperformed. They went to the finals twice and only won one ring. But you're this but you want to be spoken of as this big 3? Like y'all are not a big 3. That's What Paul Pierce Paul Pierce also benefits from that dynasty. Paul Pierce winning one championship ring with the Dallas Mavericks gets Paul Pierce a lot less points in somebody's book than Paul Pierce winning the umpteenth championship ring for the one of the all-time winningest franchises in the NBA. So, yes, being a Boston Celtic and winning a ring in a, in a franchise that is known for winning um, helps Paul Pierce a lot. It, it I mean, yeah, I mean... I feel like that doesn't hold water because they weren't really winning with him. <laughs> like they went to one Eastern Conference final with just him. But outside of that, they weren't really doing much with Paul Pierce as the guy. You know what I'm saying? Like he's 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 not he's not LeBron, right? He's not Kevin Durant. He's not Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he wasn't even Kevin Garnett. Oh, so you know what I'm saying? Like he's not he's not, he, if if Paul Pierce is your best player, like what are you? You're not a championship team. Like, he's not Larry Bird. I mean, like, unfortunately for Paul Pierce, he's not super athletic. <laughs> like, no, he's not. <laughs> he, looks, he looks like somebody's uncle that be hooping. So, like, he's not super athletic. He's, again, not some prolific scorer. Like, can he get you buckets when you need buckets? Of course. I mean, Paul Pierce can, can get the job done, but... He's not some, you know, amazing personality off the court where people just love Paul Pierce. Um, he got, you know, the co-sign from Shaq, and it's called The Truth. I think that boosts his profile. He got one ring um, in 2008. 
he got stabbed. Um, and so, I mean, he has like these very small stories interwoven into his his career, but if we're all being honest, Boston Celtics fans, Boston Celtics fans have to be honest too. We would have loved to have had somebody other than Paul Pierce if given the chance. I mean, but I'm gonna give him credit because I just looked it up. So he's got 26,000 career points. He's a 10-time All-Star. But but none of he was not he was not chosen by for any of those all-star appearances. Like he was, he, he was always an yeah, yeah, I don't think he was ever voted in by the fans or that process at all. Wow, I, I didn't know that. Like I, said, I know just based off stats, he'll get in. My question is beyond the Hall of Fame, this is a good a good metric. Is he a top 50 player? Like, is he good enough to knock 45 through 49 or 49, 45 through 50? off the pedestal and become a top 50 player, I think is a... Here's the thing. Here's the thing with that. He'll be a top 50 player for like two years. Well, you know what? No, it, I guess it depends on how you do it. So if we're doing top 50 players, are we doing it with uh, players that are retired or can active players be on that list? I think when they did it originally, active players were on the list. All right, so if we're doing what we're then doing, it does get a little ugly for him. Yeah, I'm doing, like 48, 49, or 50. Nah, because if we're doing it with active players, he's not making that list because you have to you have to include Kobe's going to be on that list. Tim Duncan's got to be on that list. LeBron. I think Duncan was already – no, 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 he wasn't. But, yeah, those I don't, guys. I don't know if Duncan was on there, so if he's not, he's got to be on there. Uh, LeBron, Steph, Kevin Durant. You could probably make an argument for nah, – maybe not Kawhi. I don't think you make an argument for him. But Kobe, Shaq, LeBron, Steph, maybe. Why give me a couple more? Well, he's got a, he's got the injury stuff, but if he gives me a couple more solid years. I mean, Dirk, he, he's definitely Dirk, a better player. Dirk Nowitzki, he's got to be on there. Kevin Garnett, Reggie. Well, Reggie's already on there. Uh, well, are you giving me Steve Nash? I would take Steve Nash over Paul Pierce. Kid. Yeah, that's but that's the thing. Like, if you told me like, hey. Top 50 players is Steph Curry on that list. You're not thinking about it. You're like, yeah, he's on that list. LeBron. He's Dwayne Wade. Like, who is Paul Paul Pau Gasol? Are you going like there's there's so many other people? There's okay, so many other Gasol's great. a little bit of a push, but okay. I, I feel don't like Pau was instrumental in them championship runs. It, I don't know if you don't accomplish what Kobe doesn't accomplish and the Lakers don't accomplish what they accomplish without Pau. Yeah, he wasn't just like some sidekick, like getting rebounds and trash points. Like he was needed, and even when he was in Memphis, he led that team to the playoffs. Like as the guy, he was able to get. But he was in the West, obviously, so it's like he was by himself. So I mean, it is what it is. I feel like Paul Pierce will get it in the NBA Hall of Fame, but I'm I'm more I'm a little bit more strict on who gets in the Hall of Fame. You know who? Because we've been talking about this Ti thing for like two weeks about classic albums and what tiers he on and it's just like you can't you can't walk around and say like ti's got four classic albums because like saying someone has four classic albums is insane because a lot of people don't have four classic albums you're walking around with four like that's a big number and that means that's basically saying like your albums are elite in and lyrical ability production i, I don't think anybody has four that's that's a lot Sam, uh, kanye west probably has four kanye west has four Jay-Z might have four, 
But that, but that's the thing. You just can't be like, oh, well, T.S. got four classics. No, he probably doesn't. You're, he has great albums. He has anthems. He has hit records. But let's not go around calling everything a classic. I and like I said earlier, it's it's like that Deion Sanders argument that came out maybe about a year or two ago, where he was like, you with the Hall of Fame, you just can't let everybody in to let everybody in because exactly. it loses its luster. So I get what you're saying. I mean, Paul Pierce, yeah, just based off of everybody else's in, he deserves to be in. Um, but with the NBA, since we do have the top 50 players of all time. You can try to make a case for him there. Like I said, maybe he slides in at 47, 48, 49, maybe 50. I'm not 100% sure because I don't know too much about the 70s and the 60s. But, um, yeah, that, that's kind of how I, I feel you on that. Like, I don't know if he deserves to be first ballot, but he, he was a good player. He was, he was never a great player. He was always a very good player. He's never made a first team All-NBA. Never. I was like, and to clarify that all-star, he has 10 all-star selections, but he's never started. Also on that list is Ray Allen and Chauncey Billups. Good luck and those are players that I feel like are in his range. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Ray Allen can get buckets, but it's like, is he an all-time great? Like, I, I think it's a few shooting guards I want over him. Chauncey Billups is a whole lot of point guards I want over him. And even with Paul Pierce, there's a good – I mean, just – off the top of my head, depending on how you want to play certain positions, there's at least five to seven small forwards that are better than him. That's just the way it goes sometimes in life. Um, I'm pretty sure we'll touch on this, you know, in 2021, because also I kind of want to know who's who's he going up with against in that class that he's going to be in. But um, just moving forward. Isn't this Kobe's year? Kobe's year was this year, right? 2020, I think. Oh, this is 2021 class. Yeah, okay, got it. Got it. 2021 class, so I'm not sure who's in this class, but we'll definitely get that information up. Um, so final topic tonight, unless you've been living under sand or something, there's a lot going on with this team in Washington. Uh, they no longer have a nickname, which is good because for God knows how long they – clearly been trying to get that up out the paint. So shout out to Washington for finally making something happen. Um, I don't know who they pissed off in this process. Uh, it claimed to be like some, some higher ups, some execs that wanted to kind of get away from some of these scandals, but there was a lot going on in Washington, uh, drugs, pimping, sexual harassment, sexual assault, possibly, Probably some money laundering or something, too. Just who knows? Maybe even Epstein was there. I, I don't know. I don't know who we're going to start out with with this one. But um, a lot has been going on with this team, right? As far as like the, the name change and all that. So 15 women came out with claims of uh, sexual harassment from high level uh, executives in the uh, on, on the DC team, and even there was a in the in the story, there was a, a part about one of the men who kind of got uh, made fun of because he was a cheerleader in college. He was a male cheerleader, so they kind of gave him shit for that. And it's just uh, just with the and it, it's it's not it's it's a terrible environment for uh, 
women to have to work in when it comes to working in a predominantly male uh, field. You know, uh, uh, you can, this can be, uh, I, I don't want this to be just a Washington NFL team thing. This can apply to the music industry. It can apply to like tech companies, to, uh, to the gaming industry, to, to just about anything where there's predominantly a lot of men. And there's a lot of these women that had to sign NDAs and they kind of, you know, they didn't really speak out because of, you know, legal ramifications. These guys are, are millionaires and billionaires and they don't, you know, feel safe about coming out and saying these things. But these types of stories are just getting, they're, they're getting, they're not getting worse. They're, people are just starting to talk about it. People are speaking out about it and they're saying, you know, what's going on behind closed doors in these NFL executive meetings as far as like, you know, you know, when they have a woman in a meeting, the people are saying like, hey, when you come to this meeting, make sure you wear something nice, make sure you wear something revealing. And it's just like, shouldn't have to be like that. They should be there based on what they bring to the table as far as like their intellect and their values and their ideas and not just what they look like. And it's, it seems it's, it's very like 1960s, you know, like some madman type shit where it's just like, oh, well, she looks nice. So I'm, I guess I guess you can be in the room so I can look at her. It's just it's it's a, it's a bad look. And I, I, I do feel bad for uh, a lot of the women that are involved here. The, the main issue is that the, the men are not speaking up. And it, I feel like this is this is on us. This is something that guys need to because we're 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 there. We're the majority in these rooms. So when things like this are being said, we need to speak up and say something like, hey, man, we can't talk like that around her. Or we can't not even around her. We cannot talk like that, period. You know what I'm saying? Like she's our coworker. She's an employee. We're the boss. She's our boss. Something like we got to treat women with respect, treat them like equals. You know what I'm saying? Like it shouldn't be a thing where a woman doesn't feel safe coming to work. And the only safe place they feel is in the bathroom. That's 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 ridiculous. It's ridiculous. One thing that I found particularly interesting when reading this um, this Washington story was um, the woman, the and I, I can't remember her name, um, who was in charge of basically chaperoning these um, these cheerleaders and how complicit she was in the whole thing and how she would help men choose these obviously uncomfortable women. And then every once in a while, they would go and say, well, these two cheerleaders didn't have an issue with it. So, and it almost, even though I know that journalism is impartial in most ways, it almost kind of felt like, well, if these two women didn't have an issue with it and there's, here's this woman that was helping, then obviously this isn't as big of a deal as the other 15 some odd women are trying to make this seem. And you're right. It's not just a cheerleading NFL issue. There are tons of women who work from anywhere in retail to being the COO of a Fortune 500 company to where all of us have some instance to where we felt uncomfortable in a room of male coworkers or in just a room of coworkers in general because there will always be at least one woman who is okay with laughing along to the very sexist jokes um, and laughing along to the, to the inappropriate banter because she thinks that it's going to push her ahead in, in some way. And it might, it might propel her forward. Um, but it, it is very unfortunate that these women 
who are already underpaid. Cheerleaders are very much known for being underpaid for the work that they do. Um, that these women didn't feel like they had an out because they wanted to keep a job that they enjoyed and they thought that if I just don't say anything, then maybe I will be okay. And then a lot of these women ended up being like, actually, no, I'm not okay and I'm just going to leave this job altogether. Um, so it's a, it's a it's a case study in a very large, confusing world of how, at what point are we going to look at women as a society? Are we going to look at women as equals who deserve just as much respect as Joe, Joe Smo in the office? Like when do, when do women get the respect of simply just not saying boneheaded things or ogling at them when they're just there to do a job? The red, the, the Washington slurs, um, they have a ton of issues and they, they are trending in the wrong direction. And, and, and honestly, I would not be surprised if this stuff was happening at any other team. This is this isn't like sadly, this is not abnormal for for men to talk down to women and you know, you know, boys will be boys type stuff and boys club type, you know, locker room talk. Like this isn't out of the ordinary. Like you look at any industry that is dominated by men, whether it be, you know, sports. Uh, video gaming, tech, politics, anything. There's going to be this level of like sexism that is heaped on women. And there was someone that was saying, a, a woman I think in an article was saying like, it shouldn't be part of the growing process for women to have to deal with this. Like it shouldn't, it, you know, it's like, you know, you're at first you start off as an intern, then you have to, you know, you got to get coffee, you got to get donuts and you move on to, you know, a lowly, uh, you get you start getting paid, but you're not getting paid that much, and you still got to do grunt work. And eventually, you work your way up, and eventually, you get a better job and you get better pay. They're they're starting to treat women like, hey, this is part of the gig. You get sexually harassed. That's part of the climb up to uh, uh, becoming, you know, whatever you wanted to to be. And it, it actually it reminds me of a, a show I just finished watching on uh, Amazon Prime. It's called The Boys. It's about uh, I don't know if anybody's watched this. Cause it's about uh, it's actually a really good show. It's kind of dark too, and it's super violent. But it's uh, it's basically a show about superheroes. It's it's what would happen if you treated superheroes like celebrities, but these superheroes have like a dark side, right? Like they, you know, they're doing drugs, they're dealing with prostitutes, stuff like that. So uh, one of the newer superheroes that they've recruited is a a young girl. And she is sexually assaulted by someone. And she's like having a bad time and she's having a rough time dealing with it. And one of the superhero women that have been there for a long time, who's one of, who's considered a veteran, she's been there for a while. She's like, oh, you just deal with that. You need to get over this. This is just part of the job. And it's just like, man, it shouldn't be that. That's not how it should be. You should be there based on what you bring to the team, not, you know, can you do this well for this guy? Can you do this or that? You know, it shouldn't be about that. And it's like, you know, like you said, it's just something you deal with and you, you carry a lot of that. And at some point you're like, dang, do I speak out? Do I say something? But then you have to weigh the pros and the cons. Like, yeah, I could say something and feel, you know, good internally. But like, do I have a job in the morning? Or I could say nothing and I can continue paying rent on time and just constantly have to deal with these little microaggressions. And it's amplified when you are a woman and you are a woman of color. Um, and so there are definitely barriers to 
to um, being outspoken. And that's why, like in the article, you see a lot of those girls who were like, I absolutely felt uncomfortable with going to be one of these private nine uh, escorts at this club with these very important businessmen who basically hold my job in their hands. I absolutely felt uncomfortable with that. But I also like really love what I do and I like eating on a consistent basis. So I put on my best face and I go sit around these creeps for three hours. Um, and then I get pulled over by the police because they think that I am a sex worker. So I mean, it's it's unfortunate. Like you said, it, the, the Redskins or the Washington, they're definitely not the only team that has had an issue. Um, cheerleaders across across sports have these issues where they are constantly, they are the the one of the things that keep these teams interesting, um, and yet they are treated like second class citizens. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I also see it on uh, on Twitter. Also, like I, I I follow women that do talk about sports, and it's just like every now and again you'll see a comment where it's like you know what do you know about sports you know get back in the kitchen you shouldn't be talking like this you know you're just here to look nice and it's just like it, it's i i i i've never as a man i'm never gonna get questioned like that like if you you can look at my avatar you can see my name you can tell that i'm a man if i'm talking about sports i can say the most ridiculous stuff i might get called out on it about it being ridiculous but no one's ever gonna be like you shouldn't be talking about sports sports as a black man you should not be talking about sports. I will never get that ever. But I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure at some point you've gotten that where someone says women should be talking about sports. Absolutely. This girl, I don't follow her. She just scrolled or she came across my timeline. She posted a video of her hitting softballs with no caption. If you click on the video and you start to read the comments, it's nothing but that isn't even that good. My grandma can hit further than that. These are really low throws blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, this girl just posted this video of her hitting softballs. If there's ever any WNBA news, just take a minute to go look at the comments. This isn't real basketball. You guys aren't real athletes. This is why we don't pay you as much. It's like, what did you gain from from sharing that? Like, so you've, you've typed all those characters and then you close your phone. And what did, what, what happened? What happened after that? I am fortunate to work not in an industry because my industry is very male dominated, I'm fortunate to work, be in a workplace where my opinion as a woman is valued. But I do know that I have absolutely felt at times where I would say something that I know to be right because, you know, Taylor Rooks can speak to this way more than me. You have to be so on top of your research as a woman in sports. Like you gotta have facts for your facts and charts and, and, and data dating back to 1982 somebody's going to ask you who the NFL MVP was of the league in 1963. And it's like, I'm 25. Why would I have known that? But you have to know it because somebody going to try you. So yes, a woman in sports and a woman in most industries, but sports specifically, you've got to, you got to know what you know and may, be sure that you know what you know. And even still people are, are absolutely going to pretend like you've never even seen a basketball and you have no merit. It's even how they, how women are projected onto uh we're talking more about sports uh on tv when it comes to talking about sports like most of the time it's a super attractive woman that's the moderator that's it they'll have maybe one woman on the on the set to lead the conversation but when it comes to giving analysis giving their opinion that stuff isn't valued by higher ups and it's just like at some point we need to 
like there, I think ESPN is doing a better job by putting more women and women of color in the forefront as far as having their opinion and giving analysis when it comes to sports. But as a whole, like I feel like it's not getting better. And I, I, I just I'm me personally as a as a young black guy, like I am tired of the white male voice when it comes to sports. I'm tired of it. Like and and this is like when I was maybe I guess probably like 10 years ago, I was an ESPN, the radio guy. Like I would listen to the tail end of Mike and Mike. I would listen to Colin Cowherd. I would listen to SVP and Rosillo. I would watch around the horn PTI. I would do that every day. So I was in that, I was in that world just nonstop, you know, Stephen A. Smith, just listening to men talk about sports all the time. And most recently, like Mike Golick retired, I guess, or not, he didn't retire, but he's getting let go in August. And Mike Golick is fine at his job, I guess. Like, I kind of stopped listening to that show a while ago. But, like, he's, I don't want to say he's Paul Pierce, but he's, that dude has never said anything interesting on his radio show. He's never given some, like, you know, unique insight. And he's a former NFL player. And you're not giving any type of unique analysis. You don't really talk well about basketball. You don't really talk well about anything outside of football. And that guy's a radio Hall of Famer. Like, that's the bar. And then like you, look at, you look at all the other radio Hall of Famers. They all pretty much look like him, too, though. So it's like, you know. How many times do we listen to Colin Cowherd and say, that man don't know what he's talking about? He's always <laughs> Colin Cowherd gets to be on TV every day and say the most inflammatory things. But like Ramona Shelburne, I've never heard anything crazy from her. Doris Burke, Jamel Hill got let go of ESPN for being just even a little bit outspoken. Carrie Champion's right there. Tyler Rooks is right there. The list goes on. Aaron Andrews is right. Josina Anderson, like all of these people, these women were right there. And they, Molly has to fight to be heard over Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Yes. All of these women are capable. They know their stuff. They have in-depth analysis and offer a perspective that is unique and yet they are relegated to guest spots having to make their own content or they are sideline reporters none of them get to be talking heads and that is unfortunate because at espn like you said they're trying to get better but they're very much still a boys club and sports in general is very much still a boys club and there will be no progress in sports until we start to look at women as equal competent parts of the conversation. I mean, and, and then it even goes down to like a superficial level. You know what I'm saying? Like when you list all, list all the women that work at ESPN, how many of them on the surface look like Chris Mortensen? You know, yeah. there's not a lot of old, somewhat overweight, traditionally unattractive women on TV talking about sports like Taylor Rooks. Taylor Rooks knows her. She knows her stuff. She knows her stuff, period. Great at talking sports. I've listened to her podcast before. Really good. She's also fine as hell. That like if like that you it's almost like you have to have that also to be a woman on TV talking sports. The uh, damn it. What's her name? Uh, she's on Colin Cowherd shows, uh, Joy Taylor, Joy Taylor. She's on TV. She's not really giving her opinion, really no, no real analysis, but she, look, I'm sure she has some insight 
but she's probably there for what she looks like for the most part. Uh, like you said, Carrie Champion, the same thing. Jamel Hill, like they, they, you have to look, you have to have a look. And that's kind of the part that makes it doubly hard for women to get into these boys clubs. Cause it's just like, if you, if you know all your stuff, if you, if you know your history, if you're smart, if you have facts, if you have data, if you have all this stuff and you're putting all these facts on TV, but you're not traditionally beautiful or traditionally pretty, or you don't wait, you don't have the right size. People are going to talk about your how you look. They're going to be like, well, you ugly anyway. Well, you that's why you know all that stuff, because you ain't got no man taking care of you. You ain't never heard no man. You ain't never heard no one come into Bomani Jones's mention talk about, well, you ugly anyway. Don't no one care about what your ugly ass say. You, no one's ever commented on his looks. No one's ever commented on, you know, Colin Cowherd's looks, except for when he dyed his hair that one time. No one's talking about what Mike Golick looks like. But you look at you look at Jamel Hill's mentions. I guarantee you're gonna find someone talk about her hair, or her freckles, or her skin, or even Carrie Champion. Carrie Champion's like a she's damn near a model. I guarantee you look through her mentions. There's people talking about her looks in a negative way. And it just makes it that much harder for for women to get into sports specifically. Yeah, I mean, it's and unfortunately, there. I mean, women are gonna continue to love sports. Sports are fun. They're amazing. Um, great sources of, of conversation and community and, you know, the overall adrenaline rush. But I just, I don't know. ESPN, I'm going to go, I'm just going to say ESPN and none of the major sport networks will be part of the, the forward thinking and the change. Like they're just not going to be. Um, so it'll take independent networks. It'll take having ownership of these platforms. It'll take doing what Mel Hill did, which was basically like, I don't care. I don't want to be on the six o'clock spot at sports center. You're not going to let me talk how I want to talk. You're not going to let me be Jamel Hill, so I'm going to go do it on my own. And she's flourishing on her own. Like It's going to take a complete divesting from these traditional sport platforms um, for, for things to progress because ESPN will literally never, ever, 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 ever be some you know, upstanding um, liberal or even left-leaning television network espn is as republican as it's going to get on tv with like you know a few curse words here and there i just feel like uh women have more to offer a lot of these other areas a lot of these areas where it's just been men dominating the field i feel like a lot of women could have could bring something to the table because a lot of these guys are just going through the motions yeah he's got the it factor uh he's a winner he's loud He's got the, he's got a, he's got, he's clutch, you know, and giving us just the intangibles, nothing real. And, you know, and, and like you said, uh, women have to work pretty probably like 10 times harder to make it a sport. So they're going to know their stuff. So why not give a woman a shot to give analysis and to talk about sports in a meaningful way, as opposed to just being there as eye candy. Yeah. I mean, that'll, it'll take a whole society shift, which, I mean, again, we go all the way back to the top of the show, and it was, we can't even say, can you put on a mask, please, so that you don't kill your grandma when you, you know, go over there to drop off food. So it'll take a complete societal shift that I don't know if, if America will get to, you know, even within my lifetime. So, It's just truly a shame, and I know it has to be doubly hard being a black woman at that because 
you know, once again, the the beauty standards of quote unquote America are not going to be for us anyway. So uh, that's why I'm glad that, you know, people like yourself are um, developing their own platform and, and using it and still giving a re respected opinion, you know, because it, it's, it's needed. You know, it, it's a lot of people, it's a lot of women that uh, probably wish that they had the guts that you have to have been a part of a podcast, still a part of a podcast and be able to be a guest on others podcasts. Uh, truly an inspiration. And, you know, just we value your, your opinion here uh, with uh, Keep That Same Energy podcast. So uh, it's that time for us to wrap it up. Any shout outs for you guys tonight? <clears throat> Man, shout out to Lynn Manuel Miranda and the entire cast of Hamilton. That musical is so good. It's so amazing. It is almost three hours long. I have seen oh it six times. I listen to the soundtrack like I have children. I do not have kids. I don't even like kids like that. But I listen to this soundtrack so much. That is an amazing piece of work. I have nothing but praise for it. Um, yeah. And, and, and the cast of themselves are so amazing. Like Dabi Diggs, if you watch Blackish, he's Bo's little brother that's a little bit off. He puts his shoes on the couch. But he's so good at music, y'all. Like, he's so good at music. He has a band called Clipping, if you want to listen to it. Um, and he has this movie called Blind Spotting that came out two years ago. President Obama had it on his list of like best movies of the year. But like the whole cast, not even just David, everybody's so good. Hamilton is great. Please go watch Hamilton if you have Disney Plus. Uh, I will just say a uh, shout out to uh, the Awkwardly Surprising podcast. Make sure you guys listen to that. Comes out every Wednesday. I've been on that before. Uh, shout out to uh, Brother Los. I was on Yes Another podcast last week. Uh, so check that out. That was pretty cool. It was pretty fun. Um, and also like... Uh, Paul Pierce might not be number one at a lot of things, but when it comes to shitting on himself during the during the game, <laughs> he is number one. Unquestionably number one. And yes, shout out to Awkwardly Surprising. Um, I definitely uh, check them out whenever I get a, a little bit of a, some brief time. Uh, the homie over there, President Black or El Negro, uh, numero uno, he definitely does a great job. Uh, I know him personally. Um, so yeah, hopefully one day I'll be on it as well, but they, they do a good job over there. So definitely shout out to you as always. Shout out to, uh, South Greece 706, uh, for holding us down. Uh, shout out to El Chapa. I uh, can't wait to have you back. Uh, please be sure to tune in to the Dirty Bird Nation report for all your Falcons needs. And of course you can always catch me on, uh, the sex packets as well. Uh, we are keep that same energy podcast Avenue. Shit. I fucked it up. Um, we are keep that same energy Avenue podcast and I am AC three Savage and I'm out. Stop making fun of black women's pain.